Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat from the Norton Hornets. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it yeah. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars hello and welcome to this week's show joining me to discuss the topics of the week stefan bartholomeus from speedcafe.com good evening stefan evening craig thanks for having me and the editor of VX Magazine, Adrian Mussolino. Great to have you back on the show and good to have caught up with you last weekend. You seem to be back to almost full strength. Yeah, thanks, Craig. I um, returned from injury over the weekend, so it was good to see all the familiar faces in the paddock again. Now, interesting week, of course. We're going to talk about Sydney, but some of the things that we've seen in the headlines, an interesting story, Jamie Wincup is a sporting legend and a bloody good guy, so why do people boo him? That one popped up on news, and I know, Adrian, I submitted to you at the beginning of the year a, a very similar story talking about exactly the same thing. And, and my, I think the way I finished my story was in 20 years' time, the same people who are booing him now are going to be telling their you know, family and friends how they were there and saw him just rewrite the record books. Absolutely, absolutely. I think Jamie does get a hard rap from some of the fans. You know, let's make it clear, it's not all the fans. I think it's some who, you know don't enjoy his domination of the sport. And, and I think there's a few factors here. One is obviously he's been so successful that it's taken some of the competitive edge out of the series. And two, he is beating up on his teammate, who is the most popular driver in the series. We, you know, Again, he, Craig Lowndes won that most popular award at the gala last night. So, yeah, it, it's unfair on Jamie. I mean, when you look at his success it's incredible in such a competitive era and I think you're right we will look back on it in 20 years and and sort of you know think that that sort of booing was unjustified in much the same way that we now look back at the scafe era and you know um, take a hat off to his success and you know fitting in a way that he was inducted into the hall of fame that same night that Jamie got his sixth trophy Yep. Now, Vare Supercars hope that the new TV deal will rev up the series. That one in the financial review, and one of the big things we've seen since uh, James Warburton has taken over is there's a lot more in the business section of the paper about Vare Supercars, Archer Capital, et al. And uh, this story, certainly one talking about how all the major players are hoping to increase their network and audience share based on uh, the fact that the V8s are coming to 10 and Fox Sports. Stefan, two stories that caught my eye over at uh, Speed Cafe was uh, V8 Supercars Eyes Australian GT Takeover. I know Gordo was working hard on that story uh, over the last few weeks and uh, also the news that uh, Rosenberg's dumped his licence in the same week that they had three handed back. So we're still stuck on 25 cars by most people's count. Yeah, you've just, uh, since uh, you said hello to me about three minutes ago, you've covered uh, four pretty big topics there, Craig. So um, I don't really know what to talk about first, but certainly the Australian GT, uh, the supercars relationship is something that's been speculated about in the last few weeks. And um, Jeffrey Harris, uh, motoring.com.au, 
uh, wrote a story that sort of triggered a bit more interest um, on Friday, I think it was, that, that actually literally stated um, about Supercars' set to to buy the championship. Um, and by that, obviously, it means takeover category management rights and so forth. Um, we understand that a deal is, is certainly not done yet. And um, yeah, Supercars are relatively open about saying they want to have a bit more control over their support categories, which um, you can see why when... Um, if they've got eight hours a day to fill from from the racetrack at their their race meetings on the, on the television, they're going to uh, they're going to need some good consistent product to to fill that. And the GT Championship is um, is pretty strong. It's it's to amateur level from from the driving point of view, but uh, thirty world class GT3 cars is is a good spectacle. Mm. And so whether course... whether they end up purchasing it or um, just find another way of controlling it a little bit more in their direction. Uh, we'll wait and see. Mm. Uh, and, of course, uh, you mentioned about the eight hours of television they have to fill, and they want to fill that with quality uh, tr- on-track action, but they're still in cost-cutting mode, so that doesn't mean they're just going to put more sessions of V8 supercars on the track. That's why they're working so heavily with their partners right at the moment. The Roseburg license situation was a bit of a surprise for some. Yeah, it was. Um, there was obviously a lot of discussion about licenses uh, going back in, in, in the weeks prior to the December one deadline, um, with you know Super Black and and DJR and and Triple uh, F and and those guys that got their their licenses back. And the Rosenberg one did pop up in a few discussions, which sort of had my uh, eyebrows pinned. A bit higher than normal, but I, yeah, it was still a surprise to the people in the team. On uh, some learned about it on the Friday before the Monday deadline that um, that James was going to pull the pin. But when you look at the economics of it, and this is what I don't think a lot of the some of the fans don't quite understand. Um, if just to throw a few round numbers at it, the um, the car prep deal that is in place with Walkinshaw is say and, and a pretty standard one at the moment is about two million bucks. If you can only raise a million dollars worth of sponsorship and there's zero rec dividend from various supercars, that's uh, putting your hand a long way into your pocket just to uh, to keep a car on the grid. So it's unfortunate because Nick Perkett has really excelled this year. He's done a mega job, and this puts him out of a job. But um, you, you can't blame James. He's given so much to the sport, so much to young guys, um, not only over the last five years of rec ownership, but uh, a long time before that too. So um, we should actually be toasting him for, for what he's done. Yep, exactly. Uh, VNX Magazine is on sale now, and Adrian, very, very Team Penske-focused. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, our, our focus is on Marcus Ambrose and the Penske ownership of DJR and what that means for driver and team, and um, not just how the deal came about between so DJR and Penske and how it evolved over the, the, the course of the last 12 months, but also a bit of background of who Penske is as a team. I think if you don't follow American motorsport that closely, you might not appreciate the incredible success they've had across multiple disciplines. So, yeah, there's some sale from December 11 um, in news agencies and in the app and things, and it's a bit of a 2015 preview as well as a look back at 2014 and the success of Jamie and with the sixth championship and also... I look back at the craziest Bath Festival, I think we can all agree that was the case. Mm. Now, Nick Walshaw wrote in uh, News Limited uh, papers about V8 supercars, Craig Lowndes, the most popular driver, being treated 
trackside for possible broken ribs. In fact, I spoke to Jessica Dane uh, this afternoon. Um, so Tuesday afternoon we're recording this. And uh, she said Craig still hasn't had x-rays to confirm uh, what the extent of the injury is. But uh, fortunately for Craig, it was during the last weekend of the season, not the first. So he's got a, a reasonable amount of time to get himself sorted out. We need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. After the break, we hear from James Warburton about the new TV deal. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. The only, the only things Ross is ever critical on are things that A, going to make the car go faster or B, going to make the race team look better. So he's um, he's, he's honestly taken on board the, the team and, and almost, you know, it's, it's great to see how much actually he's passionate. It's supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard from Lockwood Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Dale Wood from Team Advam GB Gal, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Well, James Warburton talked about uh, previously the Foxport treatment of yeah. V8 supercars. Can you tell us what does that mean? What's the Foxport treatment? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's it look, there's it's enormous. I mean, it's HD for a start. I mean, our sport, all motorsport, is best in HD. So it's you know, sort of spectacular HD coverage. Number one, number two, every single car has multiple cameras. You know, so. Uh, you know, our leading 15 cars will have the NASCAR hamburger um, technology on top of the roof, uh, multiple cameras in the car, you know, little pencil cameras literally in the driver's face so you can see the eyes and actually bring the expression out of the driver. Uh, clear audio, you know, to the extent that, you know, we have in Formula One so we can actually hear and talk to the drivers. Every single session of every single day, every time everything's on track, you know, so not just us but support categories. And they'll be able to tell those stories, you know, with that quantum airtime, not just the race story, which of course plays out in front of everyone, but then the back scene story in terms of, you know, what's happening in the pits, the rebuilds of cars, you know, the, the technical information, etc. So it's just a breadth and depth that we've probably never ever seen before. And the consistency during the off weeks if you like you know so between that between channel 10 you know news limited all the digital access that fox um foxtel will have as well uh just will give fans the most ridiculous amount of um you know content they've ever seen plus of course you know these guys have you know the other mainstream categories so actually having nascar and having you know rumored to be getting formula one having moto gp um you know will just give everyone a you know an amazing array of motorsport the year. V8 Supercar Media is obviously going to be the provider of a lot of that content. How much additional content uh, is Scott Young and his team going to be able to get to air through this new partnership during the week? Uh, well, I mean, during the week, there's two. There's going to be two shows on um, Foxtel as a minimum, um, on Fox Sports, I should say, as a minimum, and um, you know, one on uh, Channel Ten. 
So, you know, obviously we're going to have a motorsport 360-style show, as as the AFL and the NRL have, which is a more strategic show about motorsport generally and V8 supercars and then V8 Extra itself. And on 10, obviously, at 4 o'clock every Sunday, we'll actually have RPM, which, you know, again, will cover us, but obviously cover motorsport generally. So I think for... For motorsport fans, you know, and people say, oh, geez, you know, you're taking a bit off free-to-air, and that's true. Everything is available. That's exclusively on pay. But at 4 o'clock every, every Sunday, you know, motorsport fans are going to have, you know, a fantastic fix, and it's on main channel, and it sits there on 10 at 4. So that's great news, I think, for motorsport fans. Will January 1, we see on 10 on Fox Sports, some sort of launch into this new media deal? Yeah, absolutely. You'll see um, all the all the promos start to roll out. I mean, in respect for you know, sort of Channel Seven and everything else, they've been you know, sort of doing the right thing and biding their time. So you know, you'll see us. Um, you know, there's been a whole host of promos um, that Ten have been filming this week, and all the boys are integrated into the big bash promos. I mean, we've got an amazing platform. I mean, Ten are launching. You know, they've got I can't even remember now. I think it's 38 games of cricket that averaged over a million viewers, and you know, we'll have huge integration through those we'll have some of our drivers in commentary you know as they had other athletes um and you know all the promotion that that you'd expect that was a big thing for us it was a matter of you know 10 was going to absolutely get behind it and you know they've done that already and they'll and they'll do that in in spades through the course of the summer and again with fox sports you know we've got the asian cup the cricket world cup you know we've got all these things coming um and you know they've you know i think patrick delaney is the ceo of fox sports has been here today he's been to more race meetings than any other television executive in uh, the eight years of being with, uh, you know, the Seven Network. So these guys are pretty passionate and ready to roll. Mm. Well, we're all looking forward to it. All the best for Christmas. Thank you, and happy Christmas to you. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Erebus Motorsport, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Adrian Mussolino and Stefan Bartholomeus. And guys, very sad news that we uh, received on Tuesday was the death of Jamie Blakey. And um, I know I was uh, had the opportunity and talked with him a number of times whilst he was running the Porsche category. And, and Stefan, uh, you would have had an association with him as well. Yeah, absolutely. Through his through his toil with the Crew Cup, um, obviously played a big big role in Porsche's motorsport activities in Australia for for a decade. There from 2003 onwards, where he really was one of the driving forces behind getting the uh, Crew Cup to Australia. So, um, yeah, always enjoyed giving him a call and hearing the hi, buddy, on the other end of it. His uh, his trademark greeting, but um, certainly, yeah, it's it's sad when something like this happened and then you really do see how, how highly respected and highly valued someone was in, in the motorsport community because the, the level of tributes today has been unbelievable. Mm. Adrian, whilst your focus was V8s, uh, the Carrera Cup Porsche Australia do do have and did have such an important role in the support paddock. 
Absolutely. We were talking earlier about the strength of support categories and there's no doubt that the Career Cup is the strongest when you look at the, you know, not just the drivers who have emerged from that series into VS Supercars, but the endurance co-drivers who spend most of their racing year in that category. And that was down to Jamie's hard work and um, very sad loss. And, you know, when you look back at 2014, it's been a tough year for motorsport across the board. So um, very sad in that regard. Mm, indeed, and our thoughts go out to the friends and family of Jamie Blakey. I, I, yesterday, if you were listening to Supercars today, you would have heard the show that I entitled The King's Speech, and we only ran about two minutes of Jamie Winkup's uh, victory press conference, but, Stefan, one of the most eloquent press conferences we've seen from anyone in V8 Supercars, uh, certainly in my time, which goes back 20 years and, well, you know, in, in motorsport, and I'm sure it was one of the best you've seen. Yeah, well, I guess um, I guess he had a little while to think about it. It was uh, it was round two, because he did a similar one at, uh, at Phillip Island, where he really, um, really wrapped up the title, but I guess, as we saw, just on a tangent, with um, Scott Pye's disqualification from five races due to a technical infringement, um, you really can't say the championship's done until you've gotten past the final round. So um, certainly um, Sydney was a, a chance for Jamie to just uh, sit down and uh, give his view on the world. Um, he's, uh, he manages to keep himself humble, despite what, despite what some people say, but despite his incredible success and the continual questions of, uh, you know, asking him if he really is, if he thinks he's the greatest of all time, because the stats now say he is. So, um, yeah, it was uh, very good to uh, hear his thoughts on all that. Adrian, what did you make of it? Yeah, the, the thing that interests me most was his talk about how he realises that this run will come to an end and how how he'll react to that and how it's going to be a big fall. And it's unusual to hear athletes talk like that and acknowledging that their successful runs are going to come to an end. And I think Jamie's realised that, you know, the sort of, the genuine rivals are really building at the moment. You look at Scott McLaughlin and at Volvo, for example, and the prospect of new manufacturers coming in. And I think he senses that this has been an incredible run, but it could all come to an end at any time. So it was fascinating to hear him talk like that. And I guess, you know, the saying goes, the higher you go, the bigger the fall. And um, it'll be fascinating to see in the coming years how he handles that transition to the Gen 2 supercar and, you know, whether he does leave AAA, you know, I think that's a big question fans are asking. Will he be tempted by another team or another manufacturer? Or, you know, we forget our young years, really, in the great scheme of things. So it'll be fascinating to see his career progression from this point. Now he has that record. It's likely he's going to get the most race wins. Um, uh, you know, he could beat Lounge to 100 race win mark. Um but it's going to be fascinating once he gets all of those records where he goes from there. Mm. Well, it certainly was a wet and wild Sydney. The wet and wild water park is closer, it's closer to Eastern Creek, or Sydney Motorsport Park, I should say, than it is to Homebush. But that didn't seem to stop the weather bringing its own wet and wild events to the race meeting. The first question, though, Stefan, has to be, when you know that there's a heavy monsoon coming your way and you have all day on air... Why don't you start the race sooner? We see in NASCAR, they open the broadcast and they say, we're in hurry-up mode now because we think weather's coming in. Yeah, well, as we saw earlier in the year, um, 
with the Japanese Grand Prix at, at Suzuka, where that was an extreme case of um, a massive storm coming, um, and and they didn't move it, they didn't move it forward. These things sound easy in, in theory, but um, if if you sold tickets and everything, it's not just TV; it's people planning their their world for that weekend around um, when they're told things will be on that they've, they've paid to come and see. Um, you've you've got to communicate all that out to everybody and, and everything like that. So. Um, yeah, it was a shame that um, both both days got got rained out. But um, at the end of the day, it's uh, one thing you can't really control is the weather. No, that's right. Jamie Wink Cup winning both races on Saturday. I was interested in Sunday. Shane Van Gisbergen just managed to get through before the safety car to take the win there, and that wrapped up second place in the championship. I think, I haven't checked with Aaron Noonan, but I think that would be the best single-car team's result probably since Seaton won the Australian Touring Car Championship in about 93, Adrian. Yeah, I believe so. I think um, Stefan might be able to help me out here. Um, 97? Yeah, yeah no, 97. Second and um, final um, championship win. And, yeah, I mean, Techno... Let's not forget the customer team of AAA, but it's a great little operation there. And, you know, when you look back at Bathurst, that, that's a big what-if of the season. And really, they were in pole position there for the win. So um, what a great story that would have been for Jonathan Webb as team owner and co-driver to win that event. So it's fitting in a way that they came second in the championship with a win at Sydney. Um you know, great little team, and they've had a fantastic season. And you can sense that Van Gisbergen has really matured with that team and is starting to get that consistency he needs. So, we were talking earlier about the Jamie Winkup threats in the future. I think you'd definitely have to put Shane in that mix. Mm. Stefan, your thoughts on Techno Auto Sports uh, efforts this year? Yeah, well, as, as Adrian was saying, it's, um, it's a great little package they've put together. Um, They've obviously invested in it. The, um, I'm sure they'll be the first ones to admit that the, the commercial package doesn't quite stack up at the moment. They, they've gone high-end on equipment. They've invested in, in the Eight gear, which is, is good stuff. They don't have quite all the latest things that the Red Bull cars do, but they've got good gear. They've got a good manager in Steve Hallam that came on this year, and Dr. Jeff Slater has really bonded well with, with Shane after moving across from, from Jono's car last year, and they're getting the most out of Shane. He's He's loving life doing all of his other car racing stuff around V8 Supercar events and just jumping in. And again, at the weekend in the, in the changeable conditions, just showed that he's sublime and, um, and he wanted it, which, to be honest, um, I didn't feel a lot of from, uh, from Mark Winterbottom all weekend. He was completely missing in action. So for Shane not only to, to jag a win, another win at Sydney Olympic Park to finish the season after he did the same last year, but also still second in the championship, I thought was um, very well deserved. Mm. And of course, Craig Lowndes driving injury, as we mentioned uh, before, still the extent of that injury not known. But that you can go, all right, he's driving injured. That's going to have an impact on you. But for Frosty Winterbottom, who was going into that race second in the points, you really start to ask some questions now about his mental toughness and his capacity to perform on the biggest stage, Adrian. Yeah, I wonder what impact the Ford decision had on that team going into Sydney. Obviously, the sort of you know the writing was on the wall for a few months now, a couple of years you could say. But you wonder if 
when that finally came through the root in the guts that's to FPR um, and it just sort of deflated the whole campaign by the looks of it and you know we went into that round thinking it was between Lowndes and Winterbottom and you know Vancouver and storms through so it just shows that you know those types of events you've really got to be on your A game because you can drop a bundle of points mistakes are very easy to make and you know perhaps if you're not in that right frame of mind um, they can be very costly so yeah, interesting times at FPR or Pro Drive Racing Australia as they're going to be known next year, and it'll be fascinating to see how they respond next year. And you know, there's obviously going to be a lot of talk about potential new manufacturers there and things like that. So you wonder if if Frosty and Chaz can sort of keep that momentum going into next year. It's, it's a big question mark. Well, one thing Ford fans did get was one PDA this year with, of course, Chaz and Paul Morris taking out Bathurst. We need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. Plenty more when we return. Not the best acronym, if I may say so, PDA. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett from HHA Racing. You are listening to Inside V8 Supercars. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. The only, only things Ross is ever critical on are things that A, going to make the car go faster, or B, going to make the race team look better. So he's um, he's, he's honestly taken on board the, the team, and, and almost, you know, it's, it's great to see how much actually he's passionate. Supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au, or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Scott Pye from Wilson Security, Dick Johnson Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, Stefan Bartholomeus, and congratulations to you, Stefan. A fantastic effort this year, acknowledged by the V8 Media Association with three awards. It was great stuff, and Adrian, you just finished second behind uh, Stefan there in, in one of those categories as well. No, congratulations to Stefan, great effort, and um, South Australian won too, which is very good. <laughs> Uh, we haven't talked about Ambrose's return. Can we keep the uh, Ambrose rhetoric down to about a minute and a half, guys? Uh, Stefan? Oh, that's a tough ask. But, um, yeah, I mean, to, to look at his weekend, to just jump in with the backstory from my point of view, there was a lot of debate in, in the Speak Cafe office about whether he would do the wild card at Homebush or not from the time they announced the, the Penske deal. And my my strong belief was that, that he wasn't going to do it because it's the hardest track it requires incredible braking confidence, which is probably the hardest thing to get when you jump from category to category, as Penske saw with um, Juan Pablo Montoya and IndyCar this year. And they had no time to Penskeify the team or the car. He just jumped into Dick Johnson Racing for all intents and purposes, a midfield team and, and car. And he was never going to be up the front. But my colleague Gordon Lomas was adamant that he would do it. And... Um, we were kind of, we were both right in the end because the, he thought that he would do it because he knows from working with Marcus in his previous V8 experience that um, Marcus Ambrose is not about having to look the greatest and, and get the big results straight up. It's about doing what he had to do to put himself in the best position for next year. So he did race, obviously, and he had a bit of a struggle, but he learned a whole bunch of things and uh, should be better for it next year. Yeah, what? Uh, in my opinion, Adrian, I'll get your take on it, is what he did on the weekend was purely and solely to make sure when he rolls out Eclipsal, he is a frontline competitor. 
Absolutely. I mean, if he had this opportunity to get this extended test weekend um, out the way before 2015, and I think it was the right move because he could have had that weekend eclipse or and then you start immediately on the back foot in the championship. So it's good now. He's got a summer to digest all the information and what he needs to do to get used to supercars and this new generation car. So... You know, great move from him to accept that, you know, he's not going to be on the pace right away, but just to test himself and get some mileage. And um, that's exactly what he's done. And he'll be much better off for it going into next season. And he's not having an easy off-season either. He has to go back to this United States, pack up the family, get all the family moved back here to Australia. So that's a stressful enough thing to do, let alone continue to try and work with the team and work with all the, the mountain of information you picked up from one race weekend. Uh, so it's it's going to be a very busy time for him. One man who is going, uh, I think he's told me he was going over to England. Or it could have been Fiji. I'm struggling at the moment, but uh, it was Scott McLaughlin. He shares the pole record, although I think the record books will say Jamie Winkup won it um, because he got to that number first, but he shared the money. And he also picked up the Barry Sheehan medal. Adrian David. An interesting one. A six-time champion hasn't picked up the uh, medal, but Scott McLaughlin has. Yeah, I, I, it's a strange one, isn't it? When you've got Jamie, who's you know the new um, record breaker of, of the most championships, and he doesn't win the best and fairest award. But you know, Scott's had an incredible season, and you know, from Clipsal on, where he sort of really you know showed that the Volvo was on the pace right away. It's been just you know incredible. Um, how that car and that package has been so competitive throughout the season, all types of different tracks. And, you know, I think in all this Ambrose and Penske hype and, you know, the focus on Jamie's six championships, you know, I'm convinced that Scott can mount a championship charge next year. And I think he's the, if you're looking for the driver or the team to challenge Jamie, I think, you know, he's certainly the pole position for that one. Mm. Stefan, you're right. Yeah, well, obviously, the um, the criteria for winning the Barachine Medal awards points for a lot of things that uh, you don't get points for in the championship table. So that uh, that always explains the difference between the champion and the Barachine Medalist. Um, and yeah, I think I think Scotty was a pretty deserving winner of that. There's, as you know, there's categories, personality, and, and all those those things where certainly Scott has endeared himself to um, to the public and, and the media this year um, with his some of it just with a bit of goofiness that uh, is uh, is good to see. And that's not disrespecting Jamie at all, um, but this is just Scott's character that's come out this year, um, and which has been helped by the whole Volvo angle. It's been something different. And as Adrian was saying, it's been a mega package from when they dropped it on the track. And, and it is going to be very interesting to see how Scott goes next year. But at the same time, it's disappointing that, um, with all due respect, the second car has been been taken up by a pay driver because yeah there's plenty of people in the paddock that think that this year if they'd had someone like you know a Garth Tander or someone like that in that Volvo um, that could that has a bit more experience at ironing out the little bugs in that package that it probably could have done even better than it did so um yeah, I'm sure uh, Scotty's going to do do well for him next year, though. Mm. Yeah, because that leads me into my next question in, uh, Stefan. What's Robert Dahlgren's legacy? Because for those inside and for people like us that got to talk to the team and 
and to talk to these guys, we found out what he was doing and found out, you know, whilst he might not have been in the front or even the middle of the field, he was doing a lot of the development work. And even Scott said his pole position on Sunday was because Robert went out, tried two things in the qualifying session that they put into his car and it immediately got him quicker. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, Scotty, Scotty flatters Robert in a way with his words, but he certainly wasn't doing it on the, on the timing screen. It was, you know, blatantly embarrassing for a lot of the year and Robert was on a hiding to nothing. Like, Polestar talked a lot about how great Robert was going to be for their development program, but to be frank, they, they put the car on the track in Adelaide with more horsepower than anyone else. Um, and they just needed to, to get the gremlins out of it from there, which wasn't really driver-related stuff for the most part. Um, it was certainly only things that, that the engineers and the mechanics could fix. So, um, yeah, it was it was kind of a, a wasted season for that car and, and a, in a way, a wasted year for Robert because he uh, he's done good things over in, in Sweden. So um, he'll get back to that and hopefully uh, pick his confidence back up and... Uh, Enjoy himself. Mm, I've got an interesting chat coming up in the next couple of weeks with Robert Dalgren, and uh, it should be one that uh, a lot of V8 fans will like to hear. Adrian Ingle, uh, his mm. career finally comes to an end the same night that Scafi enters the Hall of Fame. An interesting juxtapose. Yeah, and throw Murphy in that as well. You know, Greg announcing that he's going to step back from co-driving um, to take up a role in the V8 media commentary team. So, um, yeah, interesting. You know, three um, Holden Bassett winners and three greats of the sport over the last couple of decades. And um, it, it's interesting with Ingle that this time last year there was so much attention on his retirement and... Um, so much focus on it and everyone thought once he left Walkinshaw and his super cheap entry that that was going to be it and then sure enough he signed up with Lucas Dumbrell and you know had a reasonable season I think you know when you look back at Winton um, the controversy overshadowed the actual pace he had on that weekend and he enters a co-driver market now which is very inflated with drivers who have missed out on full-time drives so you know he'll be in good shape there um, interesting times. I think you know, we're seeing this sort of a bit of a generation change at the moment. That sort of you know the Ingle Murphys of the world moving on, and it's fascinating that Marcus is coming to that at a time when you've got 21 year olds like McLaughlin um, coming to the fore. So it's this weird contradiction at the moment that you know we've got 20 year age gaps between some of the drivers who are fighting for wins. So. Yeah, very interesting for Ingle, and I think, you know, it'll be fascinating to see where he ends up in the co-driver market. Now, I'm not sure whose website it was. It might have been your, Stefan, that said uh, Ingle out with a whimper. Well, to be honest, I think the word was fizzle, and fizzle. to be fair, that was Russell Ingle's own word via Twitter to um, <laughs> to describe the way uh, his exit panned out, and um, the reason, I think, primarily, there was a lot of hype around the first um, retirement, in quotation marks, at the end of last year, and not the second one, is the first one was stage managed by PR, and the second time around, Russell pretty much refused to talk to all journalists that I uh, that I know of anyway. Mm. So um, it uh, it was very low-key, and it will be interesting to see if he does land anywhere or where he lands next year for Enduros, because um, a lot of the good seats are already taken. So um, 
that's uh, there's no obvious hole that he's going to slot into at this point, but um, he'd be a pretty reasonable asset, I would suggest, at least in the car for uh, for any team. So um, we'll wait and see. I've heard a rumour that he might be getting involved with TV, and knowing how much he likes to say to the media, what's he going to do when a host asks him a question? Yeah, well, I, th- I think he. Um, sorry to cut you off there, Adrian, but I think okay. he tried relatively hard to get in for for 2014, um, and so obviously there's a big reset in TV world with a lot of balls in the air about uh, talent for that at the moment. So, um, yeah, he could, could slot in somewhere. There's a few names being thrown around for, for a few little expert commentary roles, but the main ones are obviously set. Mm, yeah, that's right. Look, we need to take a break. A final thought after this. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought, Stefan Bartholomeus. Well, we've uh, covered a lot of ground in this uh, in this half an hour or two hours or whatever it's been. So uh, <laughs> I think I've probably said enough. But uh, yeah, another another big season for V8 Supercars. Another well-deserved championship win for for Jamie and Triple Eight. And um, as as Jamie was saying in his in his speech um, at the end, really. Um, that, you know, there was a lot of talk, this is obviously my words, there was a lot of talk at Phillip Island about, oh, whether he should race overseas or switch to another team and blah, blah, blah. And in response to uh, a question about uh, criticism of his dominance um, at Sydney, he basically just said, well, why doesn't somebody else just stand up and beat us if you don't like it? So uh, it's going to be great to see who does that. Um, Yeah, with Team Penske coming in and... uh, Volvo and Walter Shaws and FPR and everybody there that's uh, got a good uh, good basic package that can have a crack. So I'm looking forward to next year already. Mm, Adrian Mussolino, a final thought from you. Well, my message is to sponsors out there. Now, we know the pay driver phenomenon is sort of increasing at the moment because of the you know, tough economic conditions. But I'd like to see some of these sponsors really back some of the young stars who have missed out on a drive next year, and I'm referring to Scott Pye and Nick Perkett. Now, they deserve to be on that grid next year, and they won't be in a full-time capacity, or doesn't seem they will be. So, for these sponsors, what driver will get you the most exposure? Now, you know, they may be young, they may be inexperienced, but they have the pace, and they will wrestle the cars up to where they need to be. So, I just wish that sponsors would sometimes look a bit further afield than their regulars, and back some of the young and up and coming talent. Mm, not a surprise the South Australian wants to see two more South Australians back on the board. <laughs> uh, they're talented at least. They are indeed and it is a shame to see them bow out the way they are. Guys, thank you very much. Have a great Christmas Adrian and Stefan and uh, look forward to catching up with you throughout 2015. Thanks boys. Thank you. My final thought, of course, is to congratulate our good friend in Mark Fogarty, who won the V8 Supercars Media Award, a first for him. We'll 
definitely try and catch up with him before the end of the year. That's all we have time for this week. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Supercars.